0: Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one hour service in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit CarrolltonUMC.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture this morning comes from Philippians, the letter from Paul to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and one of mine. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. The word of God for us, the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present Redeemer. Amen. So when I got COVID a couple of years ago, you all remember that, I lost my sense of taste. I lost it for quite some time, and people said to me, this is really tragic, because the only taste you have is in your mouth. Well, yeah, all right, okay. Okay, indeed, I have regained my sense of taste. However, I have absolutely no directional sense. This directional sense in like north, south, east, west, left, right. I've been on bicycle trips where we will come to a crossroads, and the rule of thumb with my companions, and I have adopted this rule as well, is whatever direction I think we ought to go, We go the opposite direction. When I was an undergraduate, I dropped one class and one class only. It was Economics 1000. And you say, well, Pastor Dan, we know why you dropped that. Because you were in summer school in Innsbruck, Austria. And you were out late every night in Munich having dinner. And um, the class was at 8 in the morning. And that was one of the reasons that I dropped the class. But the other reason was this. The supply and demand curve. I just couldn't do them. I couldn't handle the directional aspect of it. So as you ponder all of that and you look at the screen and you're going, what do a bunch of Adirondack chairs have to do with this message? I say, that's a good question. So this week in my spare time, I built all eight of those Adirondack chairs. And now even though I was a bicycle mechanic at one point in my life, following assembly instructions, especially instructions like the ones that came with these chairs, is a nightmare for me. These are them. Attach chair legs BC to chair frame A using M6 by 60 millimeter. It says bowlers instead of bolts. And washer and nut. Attach chair arms DE to chair legs. Oh, the humanity. At the end of the analysis, folks, everyone in this world, all of us, lack direction in some way on some things. For us as Christians, we are charged with the responsibility of reaching out to people who don't know Jesus. And we have two groups of people we're going to speak to, right? One group is utterly uninterested and unwilling to listen to anything we might have to say about Jesus. Now, this is not to say we shouldn't witness to those people, but Jesus told his disciples about these sorts of people in Luke 9. He says, if the people do not welcome you, leave their town, and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them." Now that seems kind of harsh, but among other aspects of his humanity, there's one thing Jesus was, was a pragmatist. And for the remainder of folks who were were willing to listen to us, Jesus was also very pragmatic about that. If you think about the people that Jesus was working with, or the disciples, or teaching people in general, Jesus met those people where they were. Additionally, Jesus understood that in connection with the various aspects of life on which Jesus was instructing other people and witnessing to other people, these people needed real direction. They needed a real companion. So extending that metaphor a little bit, people need us to walk with them. Lots of people have truly dysfunctional directional systems in certain aspects of their lives, and what they should believe or what they should become. If you want to help that person, you don't just give them directions. You don't say to them, okay, here's what you need to do. Here are the four things now. Get on it and do it, and then you get up and go. Instead, you walk with them. If someone is directionally challenged in their life, don't just tell them what to do, just walk with them take the journey. Let me give you an example of what this feels like. You'll no doubt recognize this. I heard this uh, analogy this week. When you go into an average retail store and you ask for something you don't know where it is, in the average store, the employee will just point and say, okay, well, it's over there in that corner. Go down three aisles, take a right, and it'll be there, and you will find it. But if you go in the really excellent store, they will say, hey, let me take you to it. I'll show it to you. Let me go with you. And they may be doing something else, but they will leave that behind and walk down the aisle with you, taking you right to the place. And there it is. And then they say, how can I help you with this this thing that it is that you want? And they stay with you the full time. And they do it every time you go into that store. That's the kind of person I want to be. I don't want to be the person that says, oh, you need a little direction? Well, here's a list of things to do. If someone needs direction, take time out and walk with them, even if it's just a few steps, and you will be amazed at what you can do with other people. That's what today's scripture that we just read from Philippians is talking about, when it says, rather, in humility, value yourselves above others value others above yourself, looking to your own interests, but looking to the interests of the other persons. We have another word for that. It's called love. And in fact, as it turns out, love requires work. We learn in life that love takes time and is energized when it's given time and is de-energized when love is hurried. Our kids, our spouses, and our friends, and even acquaintances hear things like, I'm tired, be quiet, I'm busy, we don't have the money. And in doing this, we are instead spending time away in the places of life where there's low and no return, and depriving those people who really deserve our time and who need it. If I could offer one piece of advice to everyone here, based on experience, it's this. Eliminate the words, I'm too busy, from your lexicon. You may elect to dedicate your time here versus there, but you are never too busy. God gives you plenty of time to do his work. Scripture also points to the fact that love, in addition to time, requires kindness and is de-energized when people are unkind to each other. Now, certainly there are people in the world who are ruthless and cunning and judgmental. You don't have to go that far to be unkind. Simply being indifferent to the needs of others can be unkindness. We forget how God treats us and speaks to us and has unending patience for us. If we could just get to the place where we learn to think like God and are simply nice to each other, I wonder what that would look like in our relationships and our friends and our families. What would the world look like if it suddenly became kind? But maybe most importantly, love requires trust. It requires safety. We create an atmosphere of mistrust by being arrogant, always needing things our way. You know, it's funny, but the current redo of the Burger King commercials, Have It Your Way, uh, which closes with a a shout of what? You rule. Weirdly rubs me the wrong way. Which is interesting because I grew up eating Burger King Whoppers because I had to have it my way. But I think I have graduated from the need to feel like I rule. Now, there's a weird corollary to not being selfish, and it's this. In witnessing to other people and helping other people, we have to recognize that people are inherently selfish. We've spoken about this before, about why this is. We tell some people, you act like the world revolves around you, but then when you actually open your eyes and look around you, it indeed appears that the world is revolving around you. Therefore, it is impossible for us to speak first to the needs of a person whom we're trying to witness to. We've got to let them speak. We've got to let them talk. Counselors have discovered this. When someone's upset, and they come to the counselor to talk about it, the solution is not to go in immediately and try to solve the problem and correct it, because that's not what the person needs. That doesn't work for them. What counselors decided they needed to do was listen to the person, let the person talk about their issues, and then when the counselor would finally speak to them, they would do so not to correct them or change them, but initially principally to say, I know exactly how you feel. Or if there's a time where there's such an extreme tragedy that they don't know how they feel, the counselor would say, I don't know how you feel but I wish you did. And then you can tell the person, I have much more empathy toward you today because you came and talked to me about this. Always connect to others on their ground, in their space. Connecting on common ground requires you to leave the ground with which you have familiarity, the place you love, the place where you have your toys, your comfort zone and go over to where the other person is and stay right where they are. When people come to you, they've got their agenda as number one because we know, sorry, they've got their agenda as number one and we need to let them have their agenda as number one because we know we can seldom get a person to open up to help other people until we've let them open up about themselves. Let them open up about themselves. And at the moment, when you meet that need, that is when you finally have the possibility of expanding their world just a little bit. And friends, that's exactly what we're going for as Christians. How important is it for us to walk with people? I had a conversation with a friend the other night on AI, artificial intelligence. So there's a new website out there, some of you may have seen it, called ChatGPT. It's fascinating. You give it some ideas, and it will basically write your term paper for you. Now, I don't recommend it for that purpose, but at least not yet, but it's pretty good. So GPT-3, the engine, the AI engine that powers this, is a computer learning model that uses internet data to generate all kinds of text. You just give it a little bit of information, and it generates lots of relevant, sophisticated, machine-generated text. So anyway, this guy I'm talking to says to me, you know, that computer had an interview with somebody. I have listened to the interview, and he says, I'm going to tell you this. He says, I believe this program will become the new companion for people. And there you have it. For years, we have watched people get absorbed into their computer screens and their phone screens because humans won't take the time to be with them. And now we have sophisticated applications, which, whether or not they are a suitable companion, the general public believes they may very well be. We're not going to be able to beat the robots at their own game by being a robot, always spouting the same answer being too busy to do anything else, we need to be doing what the scripture says to do. Have the same love of Christ Jesus. Eliminate our own selfishness and vanity and conceit. And being humble, value other people above ourselves, looking to their interests and not our own. Let us pray. Lord, help our inward focus on ourselves to turn outward so that we can value the interests and the lives of other people equally or more than we value our own lives. Lord, knowing that in so doing we're fulfilling Scripture and that, Lord, you will provide for us in the matter that Scripture says that our giving becomes the greatest gift to you, to the world, and even to ourselves, Lord. We've always said it's better to give than to receive, yet most of us don't embrace that. Help us, Lord, to understand that in the way that your scriptures speak that command to us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, and our Savior. Amen.